discuss which pop culture is worthy of your downtime. I'm Sarah. And I'm Joanna. And huge news out of Toronto this week. Huge! Yes, we are Canadian Idol, we are Canadian podcast, yada yada yada, of course. But let's just be honest about this. Biggest romance news to come out of Toronto ever. Yeah, this is bigger than when Ryan Gosling was with Rachel McAdams. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously like homegrown love. You know, they're both born in the same hospital in London. It's just like an amazing, fun story. And they hated each other on set. And then, of course, obviously worked out their differences, ended up dating for years and on and off and yada, yada, yada. But we, are, of course, are talking about Suits star, an American, Meghan Markle. Who lives in Toronto. Lives in Toronto, calls Canada home. She says she feels like an honorary Canadian because she chooses to live here, is dating... Allegedly dating Prince Harry. It's the most exciting thing that's happened all year. In a year, so many breakups and deaths. I know, I know. It's the best. I believe in love again. Yeah, I believe in love again too. I kind of like, but it's funny like the Royals made me believe in love again a couple times this year. Like their romantic night in the Yukon where they Mm -hmm. wanted to go see the Northern Lights. And Mm -hmm. this is the first night away from their kids like ever. So I kind of love Prince Harry. I know he's like awful in many respects. But I feel like he's improving and, like, he's trying to be a better person, like a real adult now. Absolutely. I mean, like, okay. It's hard for me, especially, to look past the Nazi costume. It's hard for all of us. Yeah. Like, it was, that was just asinine. Yeah. It's hard to look past that. It's really hard to look past, especially when Prince William was at the same party in a lion costume. There's too many questions. It's not great. No, I mean, but Harry, looking Harry was past, an idiot. Yeah. Was an idiot. The Vegas stuff, rock is fun. Apparently all the phones were confiscated, but then apparently they weren't. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that that's all that came out of that story. That they only had the crazy TMZ photos mm-hmm. of his mm-hmm. butt. And then that one woman who gave that one interview, and then that was it. But she mm-hmm. wasn't even the woman in the photo. I can't... Like, it's just like... The royals obviously know that he's a wild card. Yeah. And he's seems to be the most human of the prince. He seems to have the princes or royalty. Mm-hmm. seems to have the most personality. Well, I guess like if you follow like, the party circuit, you care about Beatrice and Eugenie more. Yeah, I mean, Beatrix and Eugenie are kind of like, I find them dull party girls. Right. Like, they're not very stylish. They don't seem to have <laughs> many important causes they support. I don't believe they're employed. So, right. you know, like, I actually care way more about Harry's ex, Chelsea Davy than I care about either of them. Yeah, I kind of care about Cressida Bonus, too. There are a lot of British people I care about before <laughs> Beatrix and Eugenie. Yeah. Though I still think Beatrix is, like, a great name. It is a wonderful name. Well, I love also that Jeannie Bouchard and her twin sister are named after those two princesses. It's like, it's a weird story. It's like, of all the aspirational families, to be yes. like, this is the family we aspire to be. Well, I guess like Fergie in the 90s was, was the way to go. I mean, I feel like she was always eclipsed by Diana. I yeah. feel like if you ask people if they were Team Diana or Team Fergie, I feel like only like one in a thousand people would say Team Fergie. Yes. I mean, I know we were huge Diana people. In our yes, house. we were. We too. also were very captivated by Fergie. Well, everyone was interested when her autobiography came out. That oh, memoir, of course. that was scandalous. It was very scandalous. Mm-hmm. It's almost the Faye Resnick of royal memoirs. It basically was. Yeah, I mean, Andrew Morton tried to do that with his Diana, and it, which was like, of course, fantastic, mm-hmm. but nowhere near the same as coming from the Duchess's mouth herself. Yeah, it was salacious. Yes, so. Going back to Harry, I mean, there's been mm-hmm. so much, so many rumors about his romantic history. Mm-hmm. He allegedly had an ongoing affair with one of the Real Housewives, and just that he was a real party boy. Yeah, I mean, he's a fun-loving dude. 
he's so affable, right? Like, he's always yeah. so happy in photos, and he's always so fun, and he's... And he's cute. Like, yeah. he, he's actually quite cute, I think. Yes. Like, he's, not just cute for a prince, but, like, actually cute for, like, any guy. Yes. And actually just re- looks like he's having, like, a time of his life. He looks like he really enjoys the formality of being famous. I think so. I mean, he had a really difficult adolescence, right? right? You know, when his mother died. I think he broke everyone's heart when, like, he wore that navy blue suit to his mom's funeral because he didn't have a black one. And then Charles had to wear a navy one, too, so he wouldn't feel awful. Although, why they couldn't have gotten him a black suit? Like, you're the freaking royal family, but whatever. (laughs) You know, hanging his head, like, walking beside his dad. Like, everyone cried. It was, Harry was the one that I think everyone was really crying for. Yes. Because, like, it was sad, obviously, what happened to William, too, but William was, like, an adult, right? So... Yes. Um, or basically, but, you know, Harry had a horrible childhood. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was obviously completely tainted by his very unfortunate family history mm-hmm. and other relationships, and it's just, it's just wild. So now he's taken up with Megan, mm-hmm. who is a real Toronto celebrity. She's mm-hmm. one of those very accessible stars, and a mm-hmm. couple of other... Uh, outlets and podcasts have kind of touched on this but I mean you and I know really firsthand that she Mm -hmm. was kind of person who you would see her or spot her around town and it wasn't a big deal because she was she was living in the city like she was about town she's basically your neighbor yeah yeah she's really part of Toronto she lives on DuPont Mm -hmm. as we were talking about earlier um before we started recording which is like you know very central yes it's a great street yes Lots of cool restaurants. Yep. And we're not outing her address. It was in the Toronto Star today. Everyone so. knows where she lives. Yes. And we're not going to tell you, like, you know, which unit number or anything. Right, like, of course. No. But, but it's, again, very central. And apparently she and Prince Harry were there all weekend long. You know, like, when you're long distance, you do what you got to do, right? Like, right. you can always, like, go out with your friends and then FaceTime with your boyfriend. And, like, it's like he's at the party. But you can't have sex with him over... Fa- I mean, you can have FaceTime sex, but, like, it's not the same. You've got to prioritize physical contact when you have the opportunity. Especially when you're in your 30s, I feel like, you know? And mm-hmm. you have a meet-cute that's with a prince, and there's all these, like, stories going on now about how, whether or not she was with her now ex-boyfriend, Corey Vitiello, mm-hmm. at the time, who, you know, formerly the Harvard Room, now Flock. Mm-hmm. He's a celebrity chef in Toronto, whether they were still together when mm-hmm. she allegedly got together with the prince. There's all those kind of stories mm-hmm. coming out now. So You know what? Okay. I have a double standard about this. So overlapping relationships don't bother me as much when people are just dating as opposed to when they're married or domestic partners. Like, as I kind of feel like that's what dating is. Like, until you've decided to move in together right. or get married or do something to show your life partners, it's like, well... That happens, right? So even if she did, I'm kind of okay with it. Wow, that's so understanding. Because some people, some people are kind of, you know, harping on her for that. But I feel like that's kind of, un- it's A, unfair. It's so unfair. I do agree with you. Mm-hmm. But it's an interesting viewpoint. It's a viewpoint that's not often shared in public, but a lot of people, I think, feel. Okay, so if it happened to me that, like, I was dating someone and we've been together for, like, a while, and then they left me for, like, Princess Eugenie. Right. And, but we weren't, like, living together, and we weren't, like, engaged or anything. I'd be, like, sad and upset, but I wouldn't be like, this is unjust, right? right? I'd yes. be, like, sad and feel rejected. You know, it's not like 
you know, it, it's not like a betrayal in my opinion. Absolutely. It kind of reminds me of what you said last week, talking about your book, Good Girls, about how when you're a teenager, heartbreak is the end of the world, yes. but when you're older and when mm-hmm. you're like your late 20s or early 30s mm-hmm. or whenever, heartbreak is just, it sucks, but you can move past it because you develop that resilience. Exactly. And I feel like if you have to be left for someone being left for Prince Harry, if anything is going to help this guy hook up with more girls in Toronto. Oh my God. You can totally make sense of that. Like very easily. So I just love like the idea about this meet cute that mm-hmm. they met at this like alleged like some sort of Invictus Games moment mm-hmm. in Toronto. It was like a chance encounter. Like mm-hmm. what if she didn't go to that party? I know, I know. Like that's amazing. This like, is true love. It's like the real butterfly effect of her social calendar. Because mm-hmm. this is somebody who like gets so many invites and like mm-hmm. is always all around the city and like makes herself very available. Mm-hmm. Like, and she's like a lot of charitable stuff and whatever going on. Like she could have been at any other party or any other favor or any other friend's mm-hmm. house. And she happened to allegedly meet Prince Harry. And now it's like six months later. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. It's like the most romantic story, really. It is really romantic. Um, it's it, like the prince and me, kind of, you know? <laughs> the Julia Stiles movie? Yeah. Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. It kind of is. But you know what I love about this is it's a romantic story about adults, right? Like, these yeah. people are adults. They know how to date, right? Yeah. Like, he now has been around the block with other girlfriends. He knows right. how to protect her. He knows how to keep her out of the limelight. You know, she knows what she's doing, too, because yes. she's 35. Like, right. I actually kind of feel like she's a good match for him because he's always been a little bit immature. So I feel like a slightly older woman, like, I hate when people call her an older woman because 32 and 35, like, what's the difference? Yeah, they're but, like, basically the same. But she does have a good head on her shoulders. So... I don't think it's that she's older. I think it's that she's, like, responsible. That will be a good influence on him. Yes. Yeah. I just can't get enough of this story. Yeah, it's great. And you know what? Like, good for him. Like, every... She is every guy's fantasy. Like, every man I ever mentioned Suits to will be like, I don't like the show. That Rachel <laughs> Zane is hot. Yes. And a lot of the men who I know who mm-hmm. watch Suits, which I feel like a lot of men mm-hmm. love Suits, have, like, a real fondness for mm-hmm. it. But... A lot of the men I know who watch Suits say that it sucks that her character has gotten the smaller and smaller role as the seasons go on. Mm-hmm. That she used to be like strong and independent mm-hmm. and whatever, and now she's coupled up with someone, so you mm-hmm. see less of her being sexy, apparently. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's part of the thing that they have an issue with. I'm not sure, but... I remember... I'll it's never... a funny and very sweet criticism. My one... Okay, so my thing about Rachel Zane is her biz cash is ridiculous. It's, it's like, so inappropriate. And you're the queen of biz cash, I will say. You, like, have a lot to say about biz cash. You're, like, you're a high proponent of it. You're, like, jeans and a blazer, great. This blouse, why did it work when I left the house? Why does it not work at work? (laughs) Well, that always happens to me, like, at work every day, where I, like, leave the house, and I'm like, all right, no cleavage, business class appropriate, and then I get to work, and then somehow it's like my breasts have grown between 7 a.m. and 8 a.m. These are real problems. Not just first world, they're just, like, real problems. Yeah, so BizCash fascinates me, like, what you're allowed to wear, what you're not, like, BizCash strategy, and I just feel like... Her biscash game is like, no, it's not biscash. Is it too elevated or too understated? It's just too, like, into club. Oh, yikes. Which is like... Like too much silk. Well, it's just like, into club clothes, you know, why can't we wear them to work? It's a social construction. Like, I get it. I get that. But, like, if you were working at a law firm, would you wear, like, like, um, those dresses? Like, are you basically wearing Hervé Leger to work? No. Right. Again, the Hervé Le- Leger beef uh, strikes its <laughs> strikes its head. 
I mean, to be fair, some of her stuff looks more Roland Murray, and I love Roland Murray. But, like, mm-hmm. again, I don't really think that's this cash. Right. It really depends on the season. Not just mm-hmm. the season, but the firm as well. So, mm, kind of shady on that. Especially when she's, like, really worked her way up. Wasn't she a paralegal now she's a lawyer? I believe so. All the more reason to dress for the job you want? Yeah, it's like, on The Good Wife, those people dress realistically for a law firm. Yes. Like, and they still look great. Mm-hmm. Great necklaces. Mm-hmm. Still form-fitting. But not necessarily Roland Murray. No, exactly. And, like, her heels are too high for Bizcash. I love it. This all Rachel works. Zane. This all Rachel works. Zane's heels are too high. Like, literally, I was teaching a group of teenage girls once how to wear Bizcash. And one of them was like, Google Rachel Zane. And I was like, no! Do not <laughs> Google Rachel Zane. That is not Bizcash. The Good Wife, that is the TV show we turn to. This is amazing. Well, that's more business formal, but still. There aren't a lot of great examples of Bizcash on TV. Younger... So- Younger's too, like, quirky, I feel. It's too quirky. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we need better Bizcash role models on television. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that Rachel Zane has taken that from you. It's a real problem. But, <laughs> so, I just love it. Our hopes for this couple is that they go the distance, whatever that distance may be. I want a royal wedding. I would love this royal wedding. I want a royal wedding. I want, like, eight royal babies from them. And she has the same brows as Pippa, so there's, like, something to read into in terms of whether he's just been in love with Pippa the whole time? No, I don't think he has. Oh, that's my boss's theory at work, which, that he's in which love makes with me Pippa? laugh. Yeah. I don't think so. It's just like royal shippers take on a whole other life. I love the way we assume that, like, because we know all these people, that they must be in love with each other, and they can't just be in love with people we don't know of. That's right. Like, people they have a chance encounter with. I really can't get over the chance element of this. It's really romantic. Yeah. It's really romantic, and you know what? She's an elegant woman. I quite like her. I think she's a good she's a good potential royal consort. Maybe Prince Harry really loves suits. Maybe. Uh, maybe he's binge-watched it. Maybe he's going to move to Toronto. Right. And they'll both be expats in Toronto. Maybe that's suspiciously why the Invictus Games are being hosted here in 2017. Like he was like really like planning a long con. He's like, I'm coming to Toronto. Make sure she's at this party. I gotta meet Rachel Zane. <laughs> Wanna live here? Drake lives here. It's a cool place to live. It is a cool place to live. I just feel like Toronto is definitely the center of the zeitgeist right now. Like, Drake is from here. Yep. Prince Harry is dating a girl who chooses to live here and isn't even from here. Tiff is a thing. It's like, we are winning. As a city, we are so culturally significant right now. Yeah. I mean, Cleveland, if Cleveland has sports right now, like, we have gossip and, like, entertainment, basically. We have everything Cleveland doesn't have, including, yeah. like, a cool city. Well, obviously there's that. <laughs> Yeah. No shots fired, Cleveland. You know what? Shots fired, Cleveland. I've never met a person I liked from Cleveland. I just like Cleveland's portrayal on 30 Rock. That's like really my only exposure to Cleveland. Where it was like, in Cleveland, I'm a model. Yes. Everyone's a model in Cleveland. That's right. Yeah. Right. I had lunch with Little Richard at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's basically it. Cleveland sucks. Yeah. Well, having said that, we can move on to something else that Toronto is famous for, which is Tiff. And, of course, Moonlight had a huge premiere there. Mm-hmm. And, it all, I mean, it really premiered at Telluride. But, of course, as we know, Telluride's for basically, like, 200 people. And it's, like, all industry insiders. And yeah. the real premieres happen at TIFF. Telluride is a rich person conspiracy. It is not a film festival. <laughs> it's, like, if I were a really rich person, would I have, like, a party at my house where I, like, made directors show up and show me their movies? Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, that's it's a rich person party. I know all the bonding that goes on in Telluride is like, yeah, we were stuck on a gondola together because we had to commute for like nine hours to get to this random obscure 
That's just circle jerk. It is very silly. It's yes. like my students taught me this game that they that I played with them. That was an amazing game called the compliment game, where you just go around in a circle and you compliment each other. And that's what I imagine Tell You Ride to be. But instead of with children, and we're trying to develop their self esteem, it's just with adults. Wow, that's like really apt. <laughs> I think that's exactly what it is. It's just the compliment game with Adolf. Well, because like, listen, like at TIFF, like when you see a movie, there's a visceral audience reaction, mm-hmm. positive or negative. Mm-hmm. And like the Q&As, while often eye roll inducing, mm-hmm. there is like real engagement there with an audience. It's mm-hmm. always people's festival first. Whether the deck ends up being stacked mm-hmm. for certain movies or another, that's, you know, remains to be seen, but... There is that audience reaction that you don't really, you can't replicate anywhere else because it takes over the zeitgeist. It does. So Moonlight came to TIFF. Yes. And we just saw it tonight. Well, I saw it during TIFF, but yeah, we saw, saw it together tonight. Tiff. You saw it during TIFF and then I wasn't that cool, so. All right. Well, I'm not going to say anything further than that. Joe, like, Joe has a strong TIFF game. I do have a strong TIFF game. It often involves watching like three movies in one day for certain, mm-hmm. certain days. And so Moonlight happened to be one of those days where it was a double, it was a triple feature. Moonlight was the second movie I saw. It -hmm. left a very strong impression and I loved it and I was raving about it at the office. But like, there's only so much you can process when you're watching three movies a day, you know? Yeah. The performances are great and they stand out, but you start cataloging them. You're not really Mm -hmm. experiencing them. No, and it doesn't have time to resonate because you're going to go see two more movies that day. Absolutely. And so you have to kind of like catalog it and archive it until later. Mm-hmm. And so like the same thing as when I saw Room last year mm-hmm. at a pre-tiff screening where I'm like, oh my God, like this movie just completely knocked me out and etc. You know, and I knew Room was going to be the movie to watch of mm-hmm. the year. And of course it won the People's Choice and then ended up being mm-hmm. nominated for the Oscars and won at the CSAs. Brie became Brie and Jacob mm-hmm. became Jacob. And everything else that came from that movie. And I knew it then, but like you didn't really know, I didn't really know how much or how much it would resonate until, obviously, I saw it, like, the second, third, and fourth, and fifth, and sixth time kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, I feel like Moonlight has that same kind of vibe, right? You know, like, you leave the theater, or I left the theater in August, I think is when I saw it, and it just, like, had such an extreme reaction of just how amazing and overwhelming it was, and, like, how it broke all these taboos and everything, and then I saw it again, of course, like, almost more than two months later, and still... Left me with the exact same feeling, like real chills from it. You know, what I love is that it has a happy ending. Yeah. And it's so rare to find a serious movie that allows you to enjoy a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Happy endings become so rare in cinema that I think they're the bolder, more daring choice. Yes, for sure. Yeah, so I love that it had a happy ending. The acting is obviously phenomenal. I mean, Naomi Harris. Definitely should be nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Isn't she unbelievable? How does she do that? It's so effortless, it seems. Well, so here's, I guess, like a little bit of backstory for those people who, like, don't really know about the movie. So the New York Times just called it, or rather wrote an article with the headline saying, Moonlight, is this the year's best movie? Mm -hmm. And resoundingly, I think, a lot of people are saying that it is. Mm -hmm. Not just critics, but audiences. It has the Mm -hmm. highest specialty box office gross of the year. Mm -hmm. It's TIFF's biggest non-festival movie they've ever shown. Mm -hmm. So in the history of the Bell Lightbox, which is, I don't know, maybe six years now, this is the highest grossing movie they've ever had, Mm -hmm. which is a huge feat on itself in terms of telling you what TIFF does as a zeitgeist maker and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff, but also in terms of the hype around this movie, has 99% of Rotten Tomatoes, and it's basically like, it's about a boy named Chiron who is wrestling with growing up gay Mm -hmm. in inner city Miami and Mm -hmm. kind of like what that means. And it's Chiron's story 
through three different actors at three different phases of his life. Mm-hmm. And so it's split up into three parts, basically. And it's just amazing. And so Naomi Harris plays his mother, who over the movie battles with what you are led to believe is a crack addiction. Mm-hmm. And it's unbelievable. Yeah, she's amazing. And what's amazing about Naomi is that she's, you know, very Shakespearean almost, you know, in training. And mm-hmm. she's British and refined and whatever. And she's playing this character who's really the bizarro opposite of that. She's playing somebody who's just like not in control of her emotions because she's, you know, is struggling with addiction issues, mm-hmm. and has a lot of problems and is out of control. Whereas like, I mean, Naomi in real life is like so controlled. So the contrast is, you know, fascinating. This is somebody with perfect posture. Mm-hmm, it's, not, exactly. it's not even just that she's well-trained and that she's like British and proper. It's just that she has perfect posture at mm-hmm. all times mm-hmm. and is always great. And in, in the past, like, hasn't always necessarily been believable as an American. Yeah, but she was really believable in this. I was yeah. ready to be, like, I was a bit skeptical. I was like, all right, this is, I'm not going to buy her in mm-hmm. this role. But she committed. Yeah, she was really amazing. And apparently she shot all of her scenes, like, in less than five days. I don't know if the number is three days or four days. And apparently it was all while she was on a break from promoting Spectre, which is the most uh-huh. recent James Bond movie, which, like, makes it even more fascinating that she's able to, you know, use whatever limited time to ha- she has not only to devote to this movie, uh-huh. but to, like, to such an impactful role and at such different stages in her life and so effortlessly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing. Really amazing. Yeah, the fact that she could bounce between those two things is just incredibly impressive to me. Yeah, it's nuts. And then Janelle Monet is also in the movie and she's, she's great. great. Mahershala Ali is also in the movie. He played Remy in House of Cards. Mm-hmm. He's getting a lot of buzz for his performance. He is outstanding. He has great range as an actor. Yeah. Great range. So he plays kind of like this drug dealer street hustler but with a heart of gold well he yes and is kind of self-righteous because he's always telling off naomi harris about how she's raising her son and he doesn't like the fact that she's a drug addict but he literally sells her drugs yes literally to her yes so naomi harris has you know some good lines where (laughs) she gets to bring up the contradictions there yes yeah, it was something like, like, where else am I going to get my rocks from? Or got to get them from somewhere? Uh-huh. Like, there's, like a, there's a couple of really good, sassy, you're going to raise my son now moments. Yeah. His mother, in me- like, always, what I like about the movie is she, in many ways she always has the moral upper hand, even though she has moments where she's strung out and moments where she is abusive because she's in withdrawal. You always get the impression, like, what happened to her, well, you, well, it's not the impression. It's true. What happened to her is not her fault, right? This right. is an addiction. She was led to this life by people like this drug dealer. Right. And, you know, it's, she's not really in control and it's not really her fault. Like, she does seem to understand that and explains it really articulately. She really does. And so at the end, the, the, or the last act, so to speak, mm-hmm. you see her and Chiron try and make mm-hmm. peace with each other. Mm-hmm. She's... She has a nursing background. She appears to be either serving at a at some kind of rehab facility yeah. while also receiving treatment, which is interesting. So it's just like the most textured kind of poetic movie I've seen all year. And I loved Jackie as well. And I loved Manchester by the Sea. Mm-hmm. But those were different. Those were kind of like performance pieces. This was kind of like a real vision of breaking these black taboos about Mm -hmm. black masculinity and all this kind of stuff. And it was Mm -hmm. just, yeah, just so impressive. Yeah, everyone should go out and see it. Yeah. Everybody, please go out and see it right now. You won't regret it. Yeah. And it's so accessible. Like, you might think that, like, oh, it's like a coming-of-age, like, Mm -hmm. story, or it's going to be too much about coming out, or it's going to be too much about Mm -hmm. this, coming or that. And it's, it's really, like, so accessible. 
Yeah, it's not just black gay boyhood, which I think a lot of people thought it was. First of all, it's different because it's actually a good movie, and <laughs> I don't think boyhood was. That's a controversial opinion, but I really think boyhood was tedious, whereas this is beautiful, and it's art, and it's incredibly well-written and poignant, and just feels very filmic. And so well shot as well. Mm-hmm. I love how we, I love the boyhood shade. We were talking about this like the whole walk back from the light box. The boyhood shade is great. Yeah, I am not a huge boyhood fan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know that that's not a popular opinion. I don't think that just because you made home videos essentially every year for 14 <laughs> years and for 12 years that like that's a masterpiece. Right. I love lots of Linkletter films. Yeah. Just not boyhood. Yeah, and we both agreed that Patricia Arquette and Ethan Hawke were in different movies than everybody else and were trying. And were great in their movies. Yep. We also have problems with the fact that Lorelai Linklater was forced to be in this movie and didn't want to be in this movie. Oh, yeah. She had no consent. Like, it's just amazing. What was her character's name? Samantha. And she just, like, completely disappeared and then reappeared and she was just so reluctant. I don't know. It's just all, like, weird, strange parental consent backstory, which is very shady. Needless to say, Moonlight is great. Yes. And not Seems Boyhood. Like it is so much more complicated than Boyhood. <laughs> and more interesting, there's a lot more to say. And there's, it's fair to say there's a romance in the movie. Yes. And there's no, it has a happy ending, mm-hmm. but you don't get the follow through in the end mm-hmm. that you would normally get in a conventional movie. Yes. Well, where they ended is interesting. I mean, I should, can we say kind of? Yeah, I think ended? we can say Yeah. It. So they kind of end it in this moment before. Before they hook up. Yes. But you know that they're going to, like... It's a tender moment. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's kind of that moment that when you really like someone, the kind of, like, you know, the tenderness that happens before you get busy. Yeah, basically. You know. Yeah. But they don't actually kiss as adults, which I think some people... It's clear they're going to at some point. Oh, it's, like, very obvious. But it's just, like, not in your face about it, which I kind of really liked. Like, it adds to the whole, like poetry of the whole thing yeah i also thought the teenage bully was really good he was mm-hmm. so scary he was really scary i was very frightened of that teenager and how he manipulated teenage kevin to beat him up it was just, yeah it was it was very impressive that was disturbing yeah yeah that was like that was a uh, some mind fuckery there with that bully that was like that was an evil genius bully i felt like i was really watching like a documentary there at that like those high school scenes or the high school uh era Yes, exactly. Like, how a bully converts other people to be on his side. Like, yeah, the psychology of bullying. And, like, okay, I don't want to demonize bullies too much because, like, bullies often have their own problems and their own insecurities, and that's why they're bullies. But, like, the way he recruited other people to torment Chiron... Yeah, was fascinating. ...was fascinating and terrifying. Yeah. So, see Moonlight. It's amazing. I'm sure it'll be in the awards conversation. And it's it's really, it's awesome. Yeah, check it out now also so you can be like an early adopter. Yeah, exactly. See it before everyone has seen it so that you can go spread the word. Yeah. Like, you, this is a movie that everyone should see. It Hopefully it's playing in your city where I don't know. It's expanding, right? Like, that's yeah. the thing. Like, it's really working on that word of mouth and playing off those specialty gross numbers and whatever. And it's awesome. We should now move on yes. to something not as highbrow as Moonlight, but but also awesome. But also awesome and very unexpected, perhaps unlike Moonlight, because I mean now we know Moonlight has all this hype. But so The Bachelorette Canada Final Two. Final Two. Okay, so there were three guys who yes. went to hometown. Yes. All right. Mikel, mm-hmm. Mike, and Fireman Kevin from Toronto. Now, Mike was the front runner. Yes. So she went on hometowns with all three men. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, she sent home Mike this week, the winner of the first impression rose. 
So not only is Mike the winner, the first impression rose, but last week we basically thought that he was the winner. We thought that the editing had led us down this path. Yeah. And and we were never misled by editing. No, we are very That savvy. doesn't work for us. But no. It, but they have succeeded in misleading us with editing. And it was all this stuff about like, hey, you're from Kenora, I'm from Winnipeg, we're mm-hmm. two hours apart, and even the whole like hometown date, we're mm-hmm. only two hours apart, we're so close, we're so mm-hmm. this, and they have so much in common, except he wouldn't say I love you. Which is always a mistake. Just say like I Luke. Love you. Say it's the exact same thing that Luke yeah, did. Which, say I love you. Which our friend Jen pointed out quite quite well. Yes. So it's just wild. So we were misled the whole time. So now it's Mikkel and gross Kevin. Kevin is awful. Gross Kevin um, is just a horrible human being who's very entitled. Yeah. And his mother is a, is a demon. Is a demon. And this is obviously gender neutral since A, it's coming from us. Yeah. And B, that was just terrible behavior, like objectively terrible oh, behavior. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We do not mean that in a gendered way. Just no parent should ever behave that way when they're meeting their child's significant other. So basically what she did, she like was not only cross-examining Jasmine, but she was yes. just being so rude. Yeah. She was being so critical and pejorative. Like at one point, so Jasmine by trade is a hairdresser and Kevin is a firefighter. And, which is, what's yeah, the problem? exactly. And at one point, Kevin's mother said to Jasmine, like, I hope you understand that when you have a bad day, you can't complain to my son because when he has a bad day, someone dies. <laughs> and it's like, so she's not allowed to have any problems. Right. Or to ask her spouse for any support if she chooses your son. Yeah. And not even just workplace support, but any support. Because any support. she can never imagine what it's like to, quote, save lives. Exactly. So... She has no needs. Yeah. She's just supposed to be his support system. That is what she's supposed to be in life. And when she was asked questions and she mm-hmm. was giving answers, mm-hmm. she was later criticized by the mother as being too much of a, quote, chatterbox. Yes. I, uh, I just can't. I can't. I can't with his family. Somehow, though, he didn't get eliminated. Yes. Which leads me to believe that she has to be picking Mikkel, because how on earth could you want that person <laughs> as your in-law? And Mikkel's family were, were just, like, they were just amazing. They were great. Their only concern was that they thought that he might get his heart broken, which is reasonable, because yes. there's still three people. And it was very sweet. I think it was one of the lines that Mikkel has a lot of feelings. Yeah. <laughs> Mikkel has a lot of feelings. <laughs> can you imagine, though, if you're, like, can you imagine if you're dating... Mm-hmm. And your family ends up going on TV, and their talking heads moments are all about how sensitive you are yeah. and how, like, you're basically a delicate flower. It's just yeah. amazing. Yeah, exactly. But we were surprised that Mike went home because he did as a Hail Mary pass. Yes. After he didn't say I love you initially, he yeah. said, I could fall in love with you, which is such a cop out. Right. But after that, before the rose ceremony, he went to Jasmine's hotel room. Yeah. And he said, I love you. Yeah. And she seemed to be placated by that. In some form. Yeah, they seem to have some tender moments. Like, how did they edit it like that? Like, you know, he was touching her leg. She was into it. Like, how did they use the editing to make me think that they were still in love? I'm very upset about this editing. I've, I feel like I've never been misled by The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. But it just goes to show how great The Bachelorette Canada is. Yeah, it fooled us. Like, yeah. It fooled us, listeners. That's right. And you're live tweeting... And you're blogging and you're doing all this stuff and it was still... Free. And I was in shock. I was yeah. like, what do I do now? My, I was already planning my recap in my head where I was right. like, well, obviously Kevin's going home. Right. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Right. I'm still in shock. Yeah. It's really. crazy. And so now we have just have two people left and Fantasy Suite is coming up. And I guess she just really wants to see what's in store. 
Well, Kevin has been on 100 first dates, so maybe she's like, he knows his way around a fantasy suite. Oh, God. I just can't wait. It's going to be so bizarre. And I mean, I, I guess it's just been Mikel all along. He's just been the guy. Because there's no yeah. way it can be Kevin at this point. Well, Mikel's perfect. Like, yeah. why not choose him? Obviously, you're going to fall in love with Mikel. Obviously. Obviously. So, I, although Mikel looks really nervous for fantasy suites. I think he's just, like, a nervous guy. I think that's, like, part of his charm. It is part of his charm, but, like, (laughs) I really hope he doesn't fuck up the fantasy suite. I mean... He might. He seems really stressed. Okay, but if he does mess up the fantasy suite, then he is more likely to date you. Yeah, okay, so, I I mean, I do have a fantasy where Mikhail is the father of my children. But (laughs) if you embarrass yourself on national television, Mikhail, like, call me out of Twitter. Like, you can... Private message me on Twitter. Yeah, you are very available on Twitter, like I said last week. And you're super accessible in general. Why not? I'm not sure what that means. No, you're accessible. Like, you're easy to find. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and we live in the same area code, basically, as Mikkel. So, like, you know, it's not like... He lives in Ottawa. He's What? His family's from Newmarket. I don't know what he does in Ottawa. I don't know. I I don't know why. I thought he was a cosmopolitan bachelor. This does not fit the profile. I'm very. I feel very misled. This this <laughs> this bachelor this bachelorette editing is way too, way too good. Yeah, he lives in Ottawa, but he's from Newmarket. But you know what? Like, Ottawa's not that far away. I can take Sarah, the train. That's you. You must really love this guy. I love his TV persona. As a recapper, I've developed feelings for him. Yeah, that's allowed. When I was recapping The Amazing Race Canada, and when I was recapping Big Brother Canada. Apprentice, you get very attached. You develop you, you, you develop real feelings. I actually know, I would say I'm less attracted to Mikkel, and like I used to have the fantasy where we would get married, but now it's more that um, I love him like a son. Like for some reason, I've been following his progress, and I'm like really proud of him when he succeeds, and I like just want to like give him a nudge when he like is having a difficult day. Like I feel like he's like my nephew at this point. That's allowed. That's totally allowed. So. <laughs> So we're rooting for Mikel, but we're not rooting for Mikel. No, like, I think I am. I think at this point, no longer do I feel, like, attracted to him, attracted to him. It's more like I want him to succeed because I believe he is a nice young man. I have, like, a grandma crush on him now. He's barely, like, a year younger than you. Yeah, and also he might be lying about his age because everyone on those shows yeah. lies about his age. His listed age is barely He's younger like than you. He's, 29, so yeah. he, like, is probably, like, 38, but whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I just, like... I want good things for him. I want him to grow as a person and to succeed in the fantasy suite. I think he's very, very likely to do those things. I don't know. He seems really, really anxious. And or choke under pressure. He seems really anxious about the (laughs) fantasy suite. He knows that that's like Kevin's area of expertise. Oh, God. (laughs) Kevin's going to think he's good and he's going to be awful. I hope and I think that we will get the candid reactions from Jasmine that we've gotten all season long. Following the dates, right? Yeah, I think so. In a TV-friendly way. In a TV-friendly way. Yeah. But it'll be exciting. There's a lot of good stuff coming up. See Moonlight. Yes. And we are keeping our eyes peeled all across Toronto. We will not let Prince Harry come to our city without us noticing again. We understand, listeners, that this is our sacred duty yes. to you, toward you. And again, not in a stalker way. Just like, you know, keeping our eyes peeled. Yeah, no, like, we're on the ground. Yeah. We're doing God's work here. That's right. God's gossip work. God's gossip work. Yes. Zeitgeist work. Zeitgeist work. Yeah. And we'll be back next week with more. All right. Have a good week, guys. Have a great week. Bye.